your service firms with sales offices in major cities nationwide. Call this toll-free number now to see how to get this free information. The information includes a form for confidentiality and to record and date your idea, plus materials that explain how to try to submit your idea. I went out walking through streets paved with gold. Lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul. I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit. They say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. Yeah, I went with nothing, nothing but the thought of you. I went wandering Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face to face. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. We have a very unique program uh, to present to you tonight. Call your family and friends and uh, tell them to tune in because I think it's going to be fascinating. Um, we are going to have lessons all of us can learn and from a very special guest. So be prepared. He'll be on with us in just a few minutes. If you have family or friends who can't watch Heart of the Matter through live television set, have them go to www.hotm.tv and they can watch from anywhere in the world through live streaming video. We've retained a Canadian streaming video company who have completely improved our streaming capabilities. Had somebody from Sweden tell me um, it, was, uh, it comes through just like on television all the way over there. So check it out. For two years now, we have held Bible studies on Sunday afternoons here in Utah. Come and join us and learn the Bible from a non-religious, non-sectarian perspective. Uh, attend your respective churches in the morning, then join us Sunday afternoons at the University of Utah or at Utah State on Sunday evenings. Go to www.calvarycampus.com for more information. Now, this is important. If you can't join us, you can get all of the teachings through uh, calvarycampus.com. They're recorded, MP3s. You can just download them and listen. We think it's a great resource for people who can't break, break free to attend. We hope you'll either attend or listen to the audio files go to calvarycampus.com. We also have a Wednesday evening Bible study at the Ezekiel Project. You can also get information on that at that website. I was a born-again Mormon has recently been made available to you through downloadable PDF for free, or if you want to make a contribution for it, that's fine too. Go to www.hotm.tv and you can have the book in your hands within minutes. Our objective has not ever been to sell books, but to get you to read an insider's perspective, 40 years active Latter-day Saint, and what it means to be born again and freed from the bondage of legalism. Coming up in two and a half weeks, our fourth annual Burning Heart 2009, the Big Tent Revival. Join us Saturday, September 5th from 5 until 8 p.m. for our statewide, even nationwide in some respects, ministerial outreach. At 5, we'll gather outside, eat, relax, fellowship, get reacquainted or acquainted with each other, bring your neighbors, family, and friends, Christian, Mormons, reprobates, whatever. And then around 6, we're going to move inside the big tent. We'll have Jeremiah's fire lead us in worship. And then we'll hear testimonies. Then from Adams Road, who's coming out from Florida, they will uh, take the stage and inspire us with their story and song. Then I'll take the microphone around 7. We'll have a, a Come to Jesus uh, meeting, and we'll do open water baptisms, end it with worship, a collective prayer, and send you on your way by 8. We want you there. Come as you are, Saturday, September 5th, Sugar House Park, Salt Lake City, from 5 to 8 p.m. I'm going to put everything on hold tonight that we've been discussing over the past weeks, including responses to callers and our topic uh, about Utah history. And um, I want to preface 
our appearance of our special guest tonight with a few comments. And you can decide what they mean and how they apply to our program tonight. First and foremost, M. Russell Nelson, an LDS apostle and polygamist, uh, began teaching in 2003 that God does not love us unconditionally. He wrote in the Insign article, February 2003, Jesus loved the world that he gave his own life, that as many as would believe might become the sons of God. Indeed, the Father and Son are one in purpose and love. He writes, divine love is also conditional. While divine love can be called perfect, infinite, enduring, and universal, it cannot correctly be characterized as unconditional. What that means, my friends, is, is M. Russell Nelson, apostle for the LDS Church, is telling you that God does not love you unconditionally, that his love is predicated conditionally upon you and your performance, appearance, adherence, whatever it might be. He writes, understanding that divine love and blessings are not truly unconditional can defend us against common fallacies such as these. Since God's love is unconditional, he will love me regardless. Nelson says that's a fallacy. God will not love you regardless. He loves you based on conditions. He writes, these arguments are used by antichrists to woo people with deception. The full flower of divine love and our greatest blessings from that love are conditional. I want you to know that that is a, a categorical, uncategorical lie. That God loves every one of his creations unconditionally. Irregardless if they have the handlebar mustache. Irregardless if they are bums or if they are scholars or if they are strong or weak or alcoholics or the dredges of society. God loves you unconditionally. And when you understand that, you have more of a desire to know him and follow him and be part of him. That's the first point before our guest comes on. The second point is, in my own experience, if you've read the book I wrote, when I came out of uh, my LDS mission full time, I took Mormonism seriously. When they said that you have to obey the Sabbath day, I took that seriously. I took home teaching seriously. They said you have to do your home teaching. It's, a, it's an outward sign of your allegiance to God. And so I strive for 100% home teaching. I mean, literally did anything I needed to do to get 100%. And I did everything I could to obey that Sabbath day. And I would go and I would chaperone steak dances that they would have. And I would hear them playing ACDC music. And it was such a disconnect in my head that I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to be absolutely upstanding because I was taught that these things are essential. And yet I found all around me that was not the case for other people. I found that the Sabbath day for my leaders was not that important, that we could run to the store to get bread if we ran out of it on the Sunday. Or if families were on vacation, they could go to the nearest Taco Bell and scarf down or go to the river on Sunday because you're on vacation. When you come back to town, you obey the Sabbath day. You see, so these disconnects began to really disturb me and it played into my psyche. Last thing, I want to tell you how I met our guest, Nick. I believe completely that it was of God. Last week on Saturday, my daughter showed me a Facebook for our Heart of the Matter program. And on that Facebook, somebody had downloaded a video of Nick. I'd never seen him before. I watched the video and I thought that's very interesting. And I drove, drove, I drove to the airport Sunday, came here. On Sunday, I taught up at the University of Utah, and I spoke with a guy who comes up there, a good friend, Sean, same name as mine, and, uh, or I saw him, and he left, and I left, and I was driving through a, a way to, to a part of town that I don't normally go, and as I passed by Temple Square, I looked over and I saw our guest tonight standing there. And I'm like, this is the second time in two days I've seen this guy. What's this about? And then what, to top it all off, I see Sean, who I was talking to at the Bible study, standing there talking to him. So I'm thinking, wow, what, how did he get down here? You know, I, I couldn't figure that out. So then I get on the freeway and I'm driving up to Logan with three of my brothers to go uh, teach the Bible up there. 
And Sean calls me and says, hey, I just talked to this guy. By and I said, I saw you. And he says, yeah. And I said, I want to talk to him. And he says, well, you should. And they had a conversation about the cross and things. And come to find out that this, Sean tells me, he's, he's a faithful, believing Latter-day Saint, a very nice man, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought, wow, I never thought I would know when he would be there again. I have never been to Temple Square in our four years of ministry here. I've never gone there for any reason, hang around, talk to people. I see all kinds of things going on there. I've never gone there. It's not my deal. Next morning, Monday, I receive a text message from a good friend of the ministry, Millie. She says, Sean's wife just had a, a impressed to go to Temple Square that morning, all the way from Centerville area, drives there, and she finds our guest for tonight there again. And so she talks to him, and she calls Millie. Millie texts me and says, he's down there. So I get in my car, and I go, and I park, and I watch him. And I watch the people pass by him, and I watch what they are looking like and doing behind his back, around him, what they say to each other. And then I approached him, and I said, Nick, my name is Sean. I think what you're doing is really, really interesting. I would like to know more about it. And we had a very friendly discussion, and, and we brought up the conversation he had about a cross, and he wanted a white cross. So I left, and I texted out to our friends in the ministry, hey, I need a white cross. Five minutes later from Ogden, a good sister, Kara, said, we've got a white cross. My husband, Brandon's bringing it down from Ogden because this guy wants a white cross. He drives down from Ogden, and we meet, and Brandon and Sean's wife, Karen, and I go, and we meet our guest tonight. And we have an opportunity to talk to him about what he's doing and what this represents and how he's treated, and we get to see for ourselves firsthand what's being said about him. And so I said, after meeting him and his dad and his sister, hey, would you like to be on the program? And he said, yes, I would. So I want to introduce you to Nick. He is a faithful Latter-day Saint, and we're going to go through and talk to him about his ministry and mission. Come on, Nick. Nick. <laughs> How you doing, my brother? Good. Good to see you again. You too. We just sat and talked in... Um, in the uh, uh, blue room, which is brown, but we sat there and talked in the blue room together and we went through everything we're gonna discuss. And um, I want you to know before we even talk, and we talked about this, that Nick is dressed in the temple robes that you wear in the temple. Now there is nothing wrong with him wearing those robes outside. In fact, uh, Nick brought up to me that they bury people in these robes. These are publicly seen. The, the thing that is sacred or secret in the Mormon temples are the actions that they do while wearing these robes, but what he's wearing is not against, there's no rule I have seen at least, that says you can't wear these. So uh, let's pray and then we'll go. Lord, uh, Nick and I are here and we pray your love and your inspiration and what you want to come from this will pour out in abundance to our viewers, our audience, to people throughout the world who will watch this in, at later times. Help uh, Nick to communicate his heart and that we will be able to see and discern what is being said and how he's being received and what it all means in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. All right, brother, tell us about your history in the church. Okay, um, I was born in the church, uh, grew up, did follow pretty much the standard that anyone does that's, mm -hmm. that's born in the church. I uh, went on a mission. I uh, came back. I've always had a lot of faith in Christ. He's always been a hero of mine. And uh, just kind of lived a regular life, uh, got married, had children. Um, and then about, oh, I've always wanted to accomplish something great. I've always studied historical figures such as uh, Albert Einstein, uh, Galileo, uh, Thomas Edison, and Jesus. And, and I thought in my life, you know, I want to accomplish something great. I want to be like these men. I want to leave this world and be remembered for forever. I want people to say, you know what, that was a, he did something that, that helped humanity in a positive way. And I looked at a few different areas. I thought about politics, business, and religion was always there. And finally I settled on religion. And I thought, okay, Jesus in my personal perspective is the greatest historical figure that has ever lived, especially in terms of religion. So I said, okay, my goal at this point is to become at least as great as Jesus, if not greater. 
that's my goal. Okay. And with that, I've prayed fervently to guide me to do what I need to do to accomplish that goal. And it's brought me to this point. It, it took me to Temple Square, and my goal is to get into the temple. I want to be in the temple, but the closest I can be at this point is just right on the edge there of Temple Square, right before. So God has told me, go to that point and wear your temple robes and go there and sing hymns to passers-by or answer questions, and I will continue to guide you in what you need to do. I see. So. Now, do, you, do you believe, um, Nick, that from your experience of being a missionary and knowing LDS doctrine, mm -hmm. that this drive to, one, leave a name for yourself and do something humanitarian that's great or, and, or become as good as or even greater than Christ um, came from your teachings of uh, being a member of the church? Yeah, I do. I believe that. I mean, the scriptures, there's, there's a scripture I have to keep repeatedly telling people over and over as they come and ask me what my purpose is. And I say, well, my purpose is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. That is my purpose. That is my goal. And they say, well, only Christ can do that. Only God can do that. I say, but the scriptures say anything is possible. And that's if one thing I could say to the viewers out there is anything is possible. Anything that comes out of anyone's mouth is possible. And that's, that's from our Heavenly Father. Mm. So I believe it's possible. I know it's possible. Okay. So. Now, um, tell us about your testimony. Do you have a testimony of the First Vision, Book of Mormon? And you've been through the temple. Absolutely, right? yeah. yeah. You mm -hmm. have a testimony? Can you share that with us? Yeah, I, I know that the, the Church of Jesus Christ is the true church. It's the only true church. I believe in the Book of Mormon. I know it's true. I know Joseph Smith was a prophet. I believe the, sta the, the, the basic doctrine 100%. Okay. Absolutely. It, do you have anything that varies? Um, I, 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 I'm still receiving revelation, and I'm sure I will receive higher revelation. One thing is... With the temple robes, I believe it should be worn outside the temple. I believe it helps hold us to a higher standard, and I believe it helps us be more recognized as members of the church, who we are. Oh. And I think it, it helps me live a more reverent and a more clean life. More, I'm, more, I'm, I'm, I'm more in the spirit. I think I the Holy Ghost is more with me as I'm wearing my temple robes. I think it's something that should be worn. Okay. In terms of it, as you mentioned before, I don't know the doctrine of it that where we couldn't wear it outside the temple. Uh -huh. I, I have yet to, okay. to know that. So um, the LDS, typical LDS, you're, you're not typical. You will agree with that. Right, yeah, <laughs> okay. absolutely. So typical LDS would say that the, a short missionary haircut, being groomed nicely and wearing their temple garment is enough to keep them feeling holy or sanctified before God. But you're suggesting that, that possibly there's more that could be done. My goal, I'm sure what my calling will be is to raise the bar. I'm going to be raising the bar and I'm going to have us live. I'm going to set, I'm going to divide the line between the church. I'm going to, it, and this is just coming off of from inspiration is I'm going to, I'm going to raise the bar and there's going to be more required to where you're really going to have to consecrate your life in literal sense. I see. And I believe okay. that's what, what I will be. Now, how you, we know that Latter-day Saints place a very strong emphasis on personal revelation that you receive revelation, that the bishop receives it for the ward, fathers receive it for the family, you receive it for your person. Mm -hmm. You received revelation uh, uh, to embark on your ministry. Correct. And can you tell us when that happened, how it came about, and then what the process was? Okay, sure. I've had quite a few different experiences, but most recently it's been about maybe two and a half weeks since it's been really strong and since I've really just set my focus on that's my one complete goal. I want to accomplish it as quick as possible to become as Jesus or greater as soon as possible and focus on that. Um, and it's been, yeah, about two weeks now, and I've just, I've really just let the Spirit guide me. I've okay. just let it just... Whatever, it, whatever impressions I have, I just, I do. And I'm still trying to learn why I'm doing them. It's happening so fast mm -hmm. that I'm still like, I'm asking people as they come up and talk to me, I'm like, do you have any input you could help me with why I'm doing what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Please enlighten me because I'm more than willing and more than open to find out what it is. What have the responses been? Um, <laughs> they're the, kind of the same as me. I, I, I think I'm still ahead of them on that. I, I give them, they're like, well, um, you know, your, your guess is good at mine, so I give them a few ideas of why I think possibly. I but I'm more than open to viewers. Please let me know if there's some reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, please let them be positive because I know that this is the right thing to do. I know that God is backing me. I know that this is His will 
And you will know soon as well. If you don't know now, you will know. Um, just as Galileo and all those were ahead of their time, those great, those great people, I, I feel like I'm maybe ahead of my time and people will start catching up. Okay. So, um, you have a, a statue of Jesus next to you. Mm-hmm. And when people drive by and, or walk by you, what do you suppose they are thinking? One, do they think you're LDS? Do they think you're mocking LDS? Do they think you're representing Jesus? What do you think it is? I think all three of them. Okay. I think you get, you get some people with open hearts that are, you know, that are thinking, okay, this is a Mormon, or maybe he used to be Mormon, or maybe he's a different religion. I, you get all of it. I I've see. found I've, I've gotten all of that. Okay. Now, you had an experience before you put the robes on when you were just dressed in white, mm -hmm. but you still had the white makeup on when you went on the church property grounds? Uh, that, well, that's correct other than the makeup. Oh. Um, all I had was just my white clothes on. And um, I just had a, a handkerchief, or a, a, just basically like a bandana kind of thing. Um, it was just my handkerchief um, over my head. Okay. Um, just kind of protecting my, my head. Okay. Um, and that's all I had. And no I just, makeup? No makeup. Oh. No makeup. Um, and I just had that. And I was just in there, again, prompted by the Spirit to go and just sit at Temple Square and kind of. And an the interesting thing was I saw a picture of Jesus with, in, in the temple where I was sitting with a thing over his head. Huh. He was all dressed in white, huh. and he was, I, I believe it's a picture where he was seeing Mary after he was uh, oh, yeah. resurrected. Okay. And it's a huge picture, body size picture. And security was, was coming up and kind of asking me, you know, you need to take that off your head. And I'm like, well, what if I was a Muslim or what if I was, you know, a different religion? Would you come and do this? I mean, obviously we're supposed to be accepting and loving and mm -hmm. trying to convert our brothers and sisters here. Right. And I even went over to the picture and I said, well, Jesus has something on his head. Um, I, I believe it should be okay. Um, and they said, well, you're making everyone feel uncomfortable. And I said, well, I think they need to maybe correct their, their feelings because they're, uh, you know, they're agents under themselves. They need to be accountable for the way they feel. I'm here trying to enjoy the spirit. And then they started saying I was talking to people and stuff, which I didn't. And I go, will you I've please? I've watched you on the street. Yeah. You, you just stand there. Uh, and, but yeah, but at that point I had not. And I said, will you please bring me these people? I would like to, to discuss what I said to them. And um, no, they, they couldn't bring anyone. And eventually they said, well, now we're considered you trespassing. And uh, I said, well, what have I done? I'm still just trying to fill the spirit. And at that point they arrested me and took, I was charged for trespassing, took to put in jail. And uh, when I got out, I just went back and now I just, I respect their trespassing and I stay right there where um, the spirit has prompted me to stay right in that location where everyone is going into the temple and where um, the majority of the members can see me. Okay. So, so lesson to that is no bandanas on temple grounds or else you could be in the pokey. Just, <laughs> just kind of joking. Now, listen, um, so where, where Nick is now on North Temple, when you pass by the temple, there is uh, a driveway that you turn in and all the leaders of the church and people pull in down that driveway and park down there. And then also people going to into the temple will bypass him on foot. They park their cars and they, they flow in to go into the Salt Lake Temple through that, through that portal. Uh, it really, it is a kind of a hub for all the LDS who are temple worthy to go in. Give us a couple stories. What, what's been the response? Um, you know what? I've had some good and I've had some other responses. I do try and stay on the positive. positive. I do. You I are do. a Mormon, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. True, true to that. All right. You stay on the positive. But so. I've, I've had some really good ex re responses. Some people are very kind, very loving. I've had people give me hugs, give me food. Um, I did have somebody, they must have thought I was hot today because they threw some water balloons at me. And <laughs> I appreciated that. And yeah. if you're watching, uh, thank you. I hope you can maybe give me some food next time or something. Um, <laughs> Um, and I've had some, say, some, some warm remarks, which um, I believe we were talking about this the other day. I thought about this and I said, you know, as you go into the temple and as you leave the temple, you should have probably the best spirit of your life. You, you should be feeling the most clean or the most correct at that moment. So I have noticed, like, it, it, I think Heavenly Father is trying to teach members that, you know, this, this maybe is testing their tolerance or testing their patience, mm. which... I, I, I gather that might, might be what is, is occurring. I, I see. You know, but Maybe that's the purpose of you right, being there. Right, and uh -huh. that, that might be one of the reasons. And uh, I talked with a nice uh, sister today who's LDS, and she, she came to that conclusion as well. Okay. And, uh, so. uh, do you, uh, what have you learned, if anything so far? What ha what's the major lesson you've learned standing out there? He's been out there two weeks about, about 
standing out there every day, looking like this. He's in the LDS. He's a believer. His face is painted white. And do you have any insight on the makeup? I, um, again, I've tried a few different, I've, I, I, one is, I mean, it's hot out there in the sun. Uh, white is the best reflectant of sun um, for, for that. So it helps um, being out in the sun. Also, um, I, I guess white cover, covers every color in the spectrum. So white, um, that, that's one, one area. And then also, I mean, a, a lot of women um, wear makeup. And I think the church needs to be equal on that with men. I think I should be allowed to go into the temple or any, any brother into the temple wearing makeup if a woman is allowed to. I, I, I mean, they, we are equal. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think that's another thing that's teaching the, the church in general, you know, men should be allowed to if it, women are. It's really interesting to, to me for, on, on this grounds. Outside the temple, I also see um, street people mm -hmm. with signs. Mm -hmm. I see homeless people. I see people without limbs. Mm -hmm. And I also have watched the bypassing of them. Mm -hmm. Is there, do you see any comparison? You are representing the holiest side. You're dressed in their most holy clothing. Sure. With the appearance of white, which is very symbolic to Latter-day Saints. Correct. And compared with guys like me who would sit there, you know, and ask for some hand. Do you see a comparison in the response to, a, to yeah. both types? You know, I've actually, Carol is a good friend of mine. And she's there and she's asking for money. And I try and help her out. In fact, someone gave me $5 today and I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, well, Dude. thank you. So I walked over to Carol and gave it to her. You know, because oh, awesome. I'm, I'm there, you know, I'm, I'm there just trying to do, perform my what God wants me to do. And it's not for money, anyone. So, right. um I just went over to Carol and I said, here you go, you know, right. and uh, she is, she is so kind to me. She's always, you know, she asked me, do you need to go get water? I, I mean, I have a few people that have, you know, offered, you know, can I get you something? But very few, whereas Carol, she's always, you know, if I ask her what time it is, I feel so comfortable with her, hmm. you know, yeah. versus a lot of the members that walk by and that she's just so easy to talk to. And yet, like you said, she's just a beggar there on the street. Yeah. So, so I know you like to stay on the positive. I'm not going to try to get you to dig deep in the negative, but tell me, Nick. What do you believe the general view from the active, faithful, temple-attending Latter-day Saints is of what you're doing? Well, if I had to say one word to describe it, it would be, um, they feel that I'm mocking them. And that, I, I wish everyone could feel the way I feel. Um, because... All I'm trying to do is what my Heavenly Father wants me to do. And um, I love everybody there. I, love every, I, I forgive everyone. I do. And um, I know that everyone's trying to be per, perfect. Everyone's perfecting themselves and they're trying to do what's right. But just so everyone knows, I'm doing what Heavenly Father wants me to do. I've prayed. I, I live a good life. I know I can receive inspiration. And that's, all, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing Heavenly Father's will. This is what He's asking me. And I, I know in the near future, you will know it as well if your heart is open and if you're humble and, you are able, and you're willing to receive that revelation, you will know it as well as very, I do. Very, very interesting. Um, I, um, I have long believed, our ministry has long believed, Nick, and you can comment on this if you'd like or just let it go, but I have always believed that there are very few places for different LDS people to go. I would have a hard time believing that if you decided to live your life this way, every day looking this way, that you would be put in as young men's president or that you would be accepted as a home teacher because yeah. you're different. Correct. Now, we have people who are different, not just this way, but people who are different in, in habits. They like a little coffee or a little alcohol or cigarettes. Now, you may not agree with that, but they do. Right. I don't, we have always believed there's no place for them within Mormonism. Now, Maybe theoretically we could say there is, but in practice, you come in smelling like smoke, even just tobacco smoke or alcohol or coffee, you're going to be segregated probably as much as you are looking like this. Right. What's the solution to that? I believe you kind of hit it on the hammer there where they would be segregated kind of like me. I think that's why I'm doing this. That's why I've been commanded to stand at that spot wearing what I'm wearing acting how, being how I am, so that members can learn acceptance. Mm. Acceptance, acceptance for all people. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all children of the Heavenly Father, and we're all equal. Mm. And I think that's, that's what this is really, what Heavenly Father is trying to get across, is we need to accept all people, all, everyone. 
Do you think there would be a difference in the response that the people are giving you who are active faithful members if Jesus were standing where you were standing? Or John the Baptist? Or a naked Isaiah? You know, and I, we, and this, this great sister today kind of brought that up. She said, you know, and you even brought it up with Isaiah, you know, walking naked for six years. It's like a prophet is without honor in his own home, mm-hmm. you know? I, you know what? They should treat me as if I am. We should treat all people as if they are Jesus. Mm-hmm. We should. We should give them that much respect, if not more. You know, we should. That, that being said, um, I'm just curious. Uh, that being said, love you, brother. That being said, Nick. That being said, uh, we have a little disturbance in here, but it's very small. Uh, that being said, why do you think Thomas Monson has such honor in his own country? Well, he's, I respect Thomas S. Monson. Yeah. I, I sustain him as the prophet of the church, and I think that's, that's why. He's lived a good life. He's a very honorable man. And I think that's, that's why. I see. Okay. Hey, we're going to open up the phone lines, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. We're here with Nick, active faithful member of the LDS Church. He has a mission and a ministry he wants to share. He stands out every day in the hot sun to get Latter-day Saints to see that they cannot look on the appearance only and to fulfill his mission, whatever that might be. And uh, I believe that he is doing something and he is being used. You know, the scripture says that God uses the weak things of the world. He uses uh, the foolish things of the world. He uses the base things of the world to confound the mighty. Now, uh, I realize, you know, when a grown man puts on white makeup and stands out on the street, it might make look to the mighty like there is something really ridiculous going on, but you never know what's happening. And I just wanted to give uh, Nick some airtime, and you can call and ask him your questions. In the meantime, let's go to a quick break, talk about the Partners Program. We'll be back to take your calls. Hi, I'm Sean McCraney with Aletheia Ministry, producer of Heart of the Matter. We exist solely on the support of those who appreciate our efforts at reaching others with the saving message from Jesus Christ. We want to invite you, if you're so inclined, to come alongside with us, partner with us financially. Now, all uh, support and prayers are greatly appreciated, but Heart of the Matter Partners, or HOTM Partners, has been carefully designed to supply support for Aletheia Ministries' long-term sustainability without burdening individuals too much. On your screen is an address. You can write to partners there, ask information, whatever you want to do, we'll send you a brochure. Also, if you're interested, you can check us out at www.hotm.tv. Additionally, you can call us, 1-888-868-4686. All prayers, all support are appreciated. God bless you. See you Tuesdays. Welcome back here with Nick. And I just want to say, please, first-time callers if possible, Latter-day Saint callers if possible, and please have your questions ready, your TVs turned down. When I come on and say, hey, you're on the air, that means we're starting. And we're going to go right now with Michael from Taylorsville on line one. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter with Nick and Sean. Michael? All right, we don't have Michael. Let's go to Barbara in Bountiful on line two. Barbara, you're on Heart of the Matter. Ah, we're back to this. We have some audio problems sometimes. Uh, We're going to wait. Barbara, please stay on the line. They're going to fix the audio. And uh, let me try something here. Barbara? Barbara? Nope, we got no audio. This is from Kelson F. It seems Mormonism has always had a distaste for Christianity. Why would they want to be a part of it today? What Kelson is talking about is the first vision. Joseph Smith said that uh, the the Christian church was corrupt. The uh, creeds were an abomination. So at that point, they did not want to be part of the Christian walk. And then missionaries, and when I was on my mission, maybe it was on your mission too, would would teach that Latter-day Saints had the truth and that Christianity had fallen from truth, lost the important saving truths of the gospel. So... um, There's that aspect. And so I believe, my opinion, that uh, one, there there is some groundswell among members who are trying to get Jesus as the focal point 
and, and to remove Joseph a little bit. Two, they want to put a president in office and they want the uh, fundamentalist Christians, they want the, the strong Christian vote. Most of America is still Christian, and so in order to get that vote, they're gonna need to have acceptance among the body, and so they are really petitioning to look and appear and be more Christian. So that, that's my opinion of what's going on. Back to the phones, we're gonna go for it. Let's go to Michael in Taylorsville. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter. Michael? And we're back to square one. How about a joke? A cowboy who is visiting Idaho from Texas walks into a bar and orders three mug mugs of Budweiser. He sits at the back of the room drinking a sip out of each one of them and finishes them and goes back to the bar and orders three more. The bartender approaches and tells the cowboy, you know, a mug goes flat after sitting there, what, better take one beer at a time, drink it instead of the three. Well, the cowboy says, well, you see, I have two brothers. One is in Arizona and one is in Colorado, and we all left our home in Texas and promised we'd drink this way to remember our days together. So I'm drinking one beer for each of my brothers and one beer for myself. The bartender admits this is nice and leaves him alone. Well, several weeks go by and the cowboy returns and he only orders two beers. And he puts them in front of him and he sips from each one, sips from each one, and the bartender drops his head in mourning and everybody in the bar knows it drops their head in mourning. The cowboy looks quite puzzled for a moment and then a light dawns in his eyes and he laughs and he says, oh no, everything's just fine, he explains. It's just that my wife and I joined the Mormon church and since I can't drink, I can only have one for my brothers now. But up, box. <laughs> Woo! We're on fire tonight. <laughs> Now, Nick, he's, he, he believes in the word of wisdom, and he was able to laugh with me, so that was nice. <laughs> All right, let's go to Kim, line four. Kim, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. It's uh, just nice, uh, great show. Just enjoy it a lot. Thanks, Kim. Uh-huh. I, you know what? I'm curious. Uh, I missed the beginning, so I'm, I'm not quite sure. Uh, what I was curious about is the origin of the, the white uh, makeup. Particularly uh, the hat, the shape of the hat. I've never seen anything like that. Just if, you know, Nick could maybe comment on that and, and the gloves, too. So just real unfamiliar with that whole thing. Nick, why don't, you, why don't you explain what you're wearing? Okay. It's the hat and the... Okay. Well, you can't explain what it's about, but you can explain where it's from. Right. Well, uh, this is the robes of the holy priesthood. So uh, it's what we wear in the temple. Um, as you go through and receive your endowment, um, you put various parts of it on. I have the, uh, the apron, um, which is, I, I believe it should be white. Um, in the temple, it's green, but I do believe that it should be white. Um, um, and then uh, we have the robe of the holy priesthood. Um, then we have our sash and the, the hat. So, yeah, the gloves I just wear because uh, they're white. And the uh, makeup, I'm still trying to figure out. We went over that a little earlier, but um, it helps when you're out in the sun a lot. Um, also, the women in the church wear makeup, so men should be able to. And I think it's given them tolerance and uh, acceptance with that. Um, okay. That helps. I hope that helps, Kim. I think we lost her. We're going to try George in Salt Lake City. George, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah. Hey, George, you're on the air. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, calling on regarding to your guest. Yeah. What about him? Um, for he was striving to be better than our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he said, yes. I differ on that because our Lord Jesus Christ was perfection. What do you think, Nick? What's your response? I, I agree with what you've just said. Um, at the same time, I, I go back to what I said earlier. Um, if you believe all things are possible, then anything that you say is possible, as long as you believe, and the scriptures say that. And well, yeah, but nobody can be better than our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, and I agree with that in your paradigm of you and how you, 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 you personally, that your belief system is 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 that that's your belief for yourself in my personal paradigm no, that's not my belief for myself well you just stated it you, you, you hear george and then like he said that uh the mormon church was the only true church yes i i believe that i differ on that oh okay because you guys when speak up george christ gave the keys to St. Peter, the oh. keys to the gates of heaven. That's true. And he also built his church on St. Peter, his rock. That's right. So where did he build his church? Well, 
Um, I, I believe in the, uh, you know, when, when the apostasy occurred and then the restoration with Joseph Smith, just to make it brief. So he's a, he's a, he's a, a faithful, believing member of the LDS Church. He stands by the doctrines, George, and he's not here necessarily to debate. He just wants to share a message, and I wanted somebody who is not afraid to, to share his message and share his heart in the way he wants to do it to come on and do that. We, we have a lot of people who will come on and they'll spin, or not come on, but they call and spin and do all that. And we have Nick here who's just telling it like it is. A man who stands out on North Temple in front of the temple in front of his peers and is able to do this is a man, when you ask him about the Mormon church, he's going to tell you. And so that's, what, that's what's really good, okay? But then again, before he says anything, he ought to learn more about the Mormonism. Well, all right, point, point taken, George. We appreciate your call, my brother. But the thing is, hey, Sean? Yeah. Uh, you got to learn more about why they uh, left Missouri or Chicago. Well, we'll talk about it. It's not so much that they left uh, to uh, find a different place. They left. Because at the time of that, they were Masons. All right, George. Hey, we got a bunch of calls, my brother. I appreciate it. God bless you. Take care. We got a question here before we go to Allen Sugarhouse and Carrie in West Valley City. The question is for Nick, I assume. Are there any scriptures in the Bible or wherever, that the Bible actually, that tell people to honor God by wearing such garments? Um, if there are, I would like to know. Oh. I'm just doing what God is, through the Holy Ghost has told me to do. So... That's okay. There's your answer. And now we, we, we know that as Christians, uh, Bible believing Christians, that we have a difference of opinion in this. We believe that if we are doing something, it's going to be supported by the Bible. So that question to Nick was saying, we don't think, Nick, that what you're wearing is supported by the Bible. And as Christians, we'll agree with that. Nick believes in modern day revelation, believes that Joseph received the temple endowment, and this is part of his religious faith. And that's why you're wearing them. Correct. Okay. Uh, let's go to Al in Sugarhouse, first-time caller. Al, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, yes, uh, it's good to see you back on air after the, the delay there with uh, the digital and everything. But uh, my question is to your guest, and that is, um, is, now, does he believe in the, the dreams or the, the, the perception of, of giving people advice when I guess, uh, suppose a Holy Ghost is supposed to uh, tell them what to do. Because what's happened is in my marriage, I'm a convert, and my wife, uh, she's full LDS, her whole family is. And her brothers are in the priesthood, and what they've done is they've, they've taken these dreams. And, and I don't know if it's a way to manipulate or what, but they've taken these dreams and they've told my wife that she, that she should divorce me and leave me. And so it's interesting. The, Al, yeah. let, me, let me pose this to Nick, and we're going to move on. But thank you. Okay. Let's pose it. Do you believe, uh, Nick, in dreams as a form of revelation? Absolutely, 100%. If you have a dream that says um, you believe your sister should divorce her husband, do you believe that would be a form of revelation? Or can you not receive it for her? Well, I believe you can receive revelation, but it must be in a positive. It has to be something positive. Oh. So. Okay. All right. So uh, there we go on that. Let's go with uh, Carrie in West Valley City. First time caller. Carrie, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi, Carrie. You're Hello. on the air, my friend. Hi. Hi. I have a question. I would like to know what the two gentlemen, um, what the definition of a Christian is. The definition of a Christian would be um, probably emulating the life of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, I just, they, we were, they were talking about Christianity the other day, and, or just a few minutes ago, about why the LDS Church isn't considered Christian. And I'm just curious about what their definition of a Christian is. Well, that, your, your definition, Nick, is? Emulating the life of, of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And my definition of a Christian, Carrie, is, uh, is uh, believing that he came as God in the flesh, saved us in our sin, and it's the blood of him that saves us alone. And, I, and my position is biblical and in, that, in, in the term of grace and salvation by faith in Him, 
And Nick's opinion is a combination of the Bible, the New Testament, the, the Pearl of Great Price, the Doctrine and Covenants, modern-day revelation. Okay, my, my question is, if we aren't Christian, we belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Everything we do in the Church is done in Jesus' name, so wouldn't that make us Christian? Well, you know, uh, do you think... We believe in our Savior as being as being the only way that we can return to live with our Heavenly Father is by believing in Him and doing the things that we're told to do. Okay. So doesn't that make us Christian? No, it doesn't. In, our, in, my, in my book, not at all. And in most of Christianity, which worldwide's a billion strong, uh, they agree that the, the LDS perspective of Christianity is askew. So where your, your view is simplistic in saying, well, it's in the name of our church and we close all of our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ. We are Christian, obviously. To us, but everything, it's but very, everything but, we do, everything we do, we try to emulate Christ in. Okay, that's okay, and and emulating Christ is 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 fine. That's a nice thing, and you have very nice people. But it's not a matter of you being nice. It's a matter of how are you saved. Let me ask you this: How are you saved? We're saved by grace and by works. Okay, and that's the that is just a complete dividing line between traditional. Biblical belief. Wait, let me finish. Let me, okay. let me, wait, let me finish. That's the dividing line between Christians and Mormons, is your addition of and our works. Okay? So, so it doesn't make sense to me that somebody would say, okay, my mother-in-law, for example, she's not LDS. She's been baptized. She's been saved. She was asked to make cookies for the Veterans Administration. She was so upset because she was asked to do something to help other people, but she's been saved. But, you Being know, I do saved volunteer work. Being saved does not mean perfection. Jesus, no, who, did Je who did Jesus come and hang out with? The perfect or the, or, the, or the worst? That's true. But what about the people that work hard to make things, make things better? Okay, you know, well, I mean, the, Shriners we work very, the Shriners work very hard to make things better. Corporations work very hard to make things better. Boys and girls so, clubs work very hard to make things better. This is not the point. shouldn't we credit for the good things we do? Don't you think that we should receive some... Something because we do good things. Let me give you an analogy so we can answer the question and we move on, okay? And, and I'm just going to be really, really quick. And this is going to hopefully bring it down to help you understand the difference. If you, Carrie, lived your entire life serving the community, loving other people by giving them goods and helping the sick and feeding the poor, and you rejected the notion that you are saved by the blood of Jesus completely, next door to you, is a lady who did nothing but eat bonbons and squeeze the cat till it screamed. And then in her final day, she said, you know what, I've lived a bad life, I'm a sinner, I believe in Jesus completely, and you both die. She's going to heaven and you're not. That's the difference between okay. works and Jesus. I don't believe that the Heavenly Father would do of that. Of course you don't. Really don't. Of course you don't. And that's okay, why we I, have this show. But your, but your beliefs are irrelevant compared to what the Bible says. You see, that's the I, difference. We go by what it says. If we're wrong, we'll stand before God and say, God, I trusted what your Bible said. And he's going to say, you are right or you are wrong. You're going to say, God, I didn't trust what the Bible said completely. I am bringing you all these works. And you will I see. Don't, I don't believe I'm going to hell. I really don't. Well, I that's okay. That I, I believe I'll be saved like everybody else. But I believe that there's different places for us to be saved to. All right. Well, very good call. I, I, pre I appreciate it. Thanks can so I much. Nick, can what? I ask Nick a question? You want another question? Nick, I just want to ask Nick a question. Yeah. I want to know, I don't have a problem with him being downtown dressed in white. I think it's actually quite nice. The problem I have is with the sacred temple clothes being worn outside of the temple. I don't have a problem with anybody standing outside the temple dressed in white, and I think it's actually kind of nice. Okay. But the temple clothes, I feel, are sacred, and I don't think they should be worn outside the temple. And I just want to know how he feels about that. Again, it goes back to, I know that Heavenly Father wants me to do this, and I promise you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you will know it soon enough if you keep a humble heart and you have a heart full of love. Do you agree with what I was saying about Christianity? I do. Okay. Okay, thanks, guys. Okay, thank you. Take okay, care. Bye -bye. We're going to Michael again in, in Taylorsville. We're going to give him a shot. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, son. What's up? How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing excellent. I just had a, a little concern. I've been watching your show the past couple of weeks, and I've, I've been having a, just like your last caller, you know, about what she, about what she said, you know, about faith and works, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 under, I totally understand what you're, I totally get what you're saying, though. I, like, I understand your point. Um, right. The, the, the thing with me is the reason why I left Mormon, 
the reason why I left Mormonism uh-huh. is because I, I, I couldn't find faith in God or Jesus Christ or Joseph Smith. I just couldn't find faith in, in believing in a God or Jesus. Okay. You know, and I, I, you know, I wish I could. You know, I, I wish that I could just sit here and say, I believe in Jesus and I, I'm saved by Jesus. I wish I could just say that and believe that, but I just, I can't. It, my mind just thinks it's irrational. Um, it, it's like it's so, it's so uncertain, and it's it's just incomprehensible to me. Yeah. So I mean, does that mean that I'm going to hell, even though I like, like even though I live a moral life, and even though I, I I want to I want to have faith, but I just I just can't. My mind won't let me have faith. Like, I'm, am I going to hell? Like, what what's yeah. going on with that? Because Michael, the battle is in the mind, and and uh, the scriptures are replete with that. Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. If he's not, then he's a liar, and that would excuse you, and his death would be meaningless. So, yes, I have to answer biblically, yes. If you don't assent to this faith in your mind, you will go to hell. Because you have to understand from the perspective of an eternal God creator, he sent his son to pay for what your crimes are, your, your faithlessness. And it takes an assent of you saying, viewing yourself of what you are compared to what he is. And when you really see that, you will break and you'll say, I need a savior. Prior to that, it could be pride, it could be lust, it could be all kinds of issues that are keeping you, intellectualism, keeping you from saying he's the way. But until you break and see yourself relative to him, I'm going to use this phrase, you're screwed. Yeah. So it's tough stuff, I know, but there is long suffering and there is love and there is unconditional acceptance and loving people no matter what to hopefully get that message through how much God loves you and sent his son on your behalf. So, so if I go through my whole life just having a, like a kind of an agnostic view where I'm kind of like, well, you know, it'd be great if there was a God, but I just really can't believe in it. I can't believe in Jesus, you know? Yeah. Like, like, if, like if my mind, if, like, like if I truly wanted to believe, but I just, like, because I base all my, all my actions in rationality, and I like to question things, and right. I, I like to, you know, I like to get to the bottom of things. And, yeah. and, and with, like with faith in Jesus, I mean, there's nothing there. It's all based on faith. And so, I mean, I just, I just have a really hard time believing that I'm going to be damned to hell for the rest of my life because Hebrews, you know, I, I, I can't come to that realization. Michael, Hebrews says uh, you cannot please God unless by faith, okay? So it is only by the faith, that the thing that you cannot get a hold of, that you can be saved. I wish I could, you know, in my human nature say, well, maybe God's really, you know, hey. But he, his son took so much for you that it is the faith that's going to save you. And it, I would be doing you a disservice to try to suggest anything otherwise. Now, it seems limited. It really isn't. Because he is so open and so giving and so calling to you constantly. Don't give up the search. Go and say, show me that you're here, God. He will. Prove to me that you are calling to me. He will. I want to really know and be honest in your heart. But if you say, well, I don't really want to know, you're not going to. Well, yeah, and I, I do want to know. I mean, I, I've had a faith in Jesus before. I mean, I, I know I grew up Mormon and stuff, you know, and that's 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 a whole different story. Yeah. And, and I, I've had faith in Jesus, you know, and it's just like when, when I turned like 13 and 14, I just I just lost that faith. And it's not that I I, I was in sin or I was you know doing bad things or or whatever. Well, that's okay. Like, you were. I guess I guess it's intellectualism is is stopping me from having faith. I Perfect. Mean, then you know the thing that's keeping you. You know the, the root problem. Let me ask you this, Michael. All things aside from your lack of faith, what do you do with your sin if there is a God? Well, I mean, with my sin, I, I, like, I repent to myself, and I, I learn from my mistakes, and, and, I, and I better myself from my mistakes, and I, and I become a better person every day. I mean, I don't, I don't see how that's a problem. Well, you don't, then what it is is you don't understand the holy nature of the Creator and you think that yourself is somehow going to be acceptable to him who does not stand the least degree of filth. He would be unjust, let's say, if you, uh, if you beat somebody to a pulp and he let that go by without there being a perfect propitiation for it, payment for it. Because that person who was beat to a pulp will stand before him and say, you never did anything. You're an unjust God. I don't believe in you. So he is just. You beat the guy to a pulp. Where's the justice? He said, I'll give you the justice, and he gave his son. And his son was beat to a pulp on your behalf. And then you assent to his son and say, I need you, okay? But you're saying, nope, I don't go with your plan of a perfect holy God taking it for me. I'm going to do it myself. And I'll tell you, it's going to be a rude awakening because he's going to say, you did not get it at all, Michael. 
Okay, so, so, so when I'm standing before my Creator and I say, you know, all my life I've wanted to have faith in you, but I just couldn't bring myself to that, he's just going to say, oops, sorry about that, and send me right to hell. That's basically what the Bible says. I think you'll know that's where you belong. That's crazy. I well, know, man. I, I, I'm I, sorry. I, I, I'll have to respectfully disagree with you on that. I know I you appreciate did. you taking my call. All right, Michael, take care. God bless you. Hey, thank you. Bye-bye. Brenda in Salem. Brenda, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi, Brenda. Hi. For you. First of all, you're doing a great job. Um, I wish there was a hundred more of you guys out here. A um, few things. I'll be quick. I know you've got a show to do, but last week you had a caller on the air. I think her name was Christina from Salem. Okay. Um, she wasn't Mormon. I would love to meet her if there's any way we could hook up because this is a tight knit Mormon community. You can okay. give her my phone number. I don't mind. Okay. But, anyways, you had mentioned last week that you thought Mormonism could be a cult. Um, after your guy tonight, I truly believe it, especially when he stated that he's stri striving to be better than Jesus. Okay. I appreciate, um, I appreciate that call, Brenda. Is wait, real quick. I have a few more. Real quick. Um, I have a friend that used to be Mormon. Okay. Um, I just met her about a year ago. She told me that when she was 12 years old, she realized she didn't want to be Mormon anymore because when Mother Teresa died, her father had said to her, that is one lady that is not going to heaven. So my question to you is, I refuse to call Mormons LDS. My question to you is, what, where do they get or what right do they have calling themselves a Latter-day Saint? That is my question. Joseph said that's what God told him to call the church. It's the best answer I got. You, ha you have to be perfect to be a saint. Yeah. I know many Mormons that do things well, behind their other people's backs that aren't supposed to be doing that. It's, it's a biblical reference saint. They called the early Christian saints. So as far as being perfect, maybe in Catholicism you need to be perfect, but not biblically speaking. So I don't think that application in their name implies they think they're perfect, at least not some of them. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. All right. That was my question. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Brenda. God bless you. We got Carl and Todd. Can't take your call. We got to wrap this up, but I want to say something here, and I'll give Nick the final word. In my opinion... We can all view Nick's mission in one of four ways. First, God did speak to Nick, and Nick is doing something that God wants him to do, whatever it is. We can't box him in. Or, God did not speak to Nick. Nick believes God did the way we all have believed God has spoken to us. And so Nick is responding to that because he believes it, but God didn't. Or, Nick knows that God did not speak to him, but he has a message he's trying to get to people to get them to see something that they're not seeing. I don't think that's his intent, but that's a possibility in some of your minds. Finally, maybe Nick is actually um, disoriented and delusional. Maybe Nick has a sickness, but here is the important question. Does it matter what the drive was to get Nick to do this in relation to how we respond to it? Does it matter if it was any of those four things that got him to do it in the way we respond to it? We, as Christians, as believers, should be embracing and responding anyone different, whether they look like Nick or whether they look like me or whatever, with love and understanding. LDS, as you pass him on the street, what does your heart say? What is it saying about Nick when you look at him? Are you, are you believing in your heart those things we heard? Look at that idiot. What a sicko. These kinds of things, is this what's in your heart? Because our response, regardless of what's driving Nick, should be love. And that's the point of this uh, show tonight. Nick, final comment. You've got 30 seconds, my brother. Um, I just want to reiterate um, what Sean said. Um, Let's all love each other. Let's love um, the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, mind, and strength. And let's love each other that same way as we would love the Lord because that's what He'd want of us. As a Father in Heaven, He's looking down on us saying, please treat each other with love, accept each other. And especially as you see me out there, right before you go to the temple, try to have a positive, good, open heart and be humble. Um, I'm just trying to do what's right as everyone else is. And I love you all and I forgive you all. All right, listen, join us next week here on Heart of the Matter, and we are obligated to love. That shows Jesus we are his disciples. See you next week here on the air. Woo! We're taking the heat. I hope my picture didn't upset you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray.
mine Gonna break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break I'm gonna break mine Gonna break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break I'm gonna break mine Gonna break my rusty cage 